0: if you will, open your Bibles to the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 17, okay? And so, okay. And today, we come to our third study of the 17th chapter. Hopefully, we're able to close it out today. This is a chapter that is studying, this is a chapter that is studying Babylon. And we have been working through... <coughs> we have been working through this timeline of events that basically the book of Revelation covers. And the book of Revelation covers primarily the years of tribulation. And what we deal with is in the book of Revelation is the present church age, which is chapters 1 to 3. And then we come to chapters 4 to 19, that's this section in here, this is chapter 20, and this is chapter 21. And uh, <clears throat> what we see, we got 21, 20, 21 and 22. And what we have here is an outline. We've given this to members of our church, and if you don't have one of those, see me. Maybe we'll be able to get you uh, one. But what we're doing is trying to understand God's plan of how he is going to take over the world. This is a book called The Revelation. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. And our goal as we've come to the, the eight, 17th and 18th chapter is to understand this one called The Babylonian Harlot. We have been looking at the seals, trumpets, and bull judgments, and all the judgments of killing people are all done. And then all of a sudden, God stops. And he pulls back the curtain and go to chapter 17, verse 1. And it says this, Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bulls, remember we had just wrapped up the final series of judgments, came and spoke to me saying, come here and I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters. <coughs> the fact that she sits on many waters is that she influences the world. That, again, is one of the verses that tie into the Old Testament. And that was an illustration of being one that influences the world. So come here, I'll show you this harlot. And what we've got to grasp what's happening here is God is pulling back the curtain and all of a sudden saying to you who are believers in Jesus Christ, I'm going to let you understand what has been happening behind the scenes. Now, as we come into this chapter, there is no exhortation. There's nothing. There's no, like, hey, husbands, love your wives. Don't lie. Don't steal. Don't, you know, directly from that perspective of of direct exhortations. But this is a book, remember, that if you read it, you heed it, you understand, it blesses you. So you come to verse 6, and it says, And I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the witnesses of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered greatly. And so God is giving us this information about this evil that is being operating behind the scenes that so impacts us today and what God is saying is I want you to understand as I pull back the curtain that you need to grasp really what's going on this is like you being in the movie the wizard of Oz and you know when Dorothy and the characters the lion the tin man and they scarecrow and they come and they see the wizard for the first time they're terrified. Because if you haven't seen this movie, there's a scene in the Wizard of Oz movie where they meet this one called the the the, the wizard who is being projected on a giant screen, and it's just his giant head, and he has an intimidating voice, and he's scary. But the reality of it is, he's just a man that's operating a machine behind a curtain, and he's hiding, and he's not really that powerful. Well, my thing here is this woman is powerful. This woman is influential. But what are we supposed to do with this? This is really trying to get us information that nobody else has. And I got to think, of, okay, you got to be putting your thinking caps on. Why is God giving us this information about the Babylonian harlot? It's sort of like, like what piece is he giving us? And I really think once you come to this understanding, when you grasp this, it gives you understanding like of a secret conspiracy. Now, I don't know how many of you guys like history, like I like history, but there are certain things when I get to heaven, I surely want to know the answer. I want to know, okay, these are my personal things. I really want to know, did FDR know in World War II, prior to World War II— that the Japanese were supposed to bomb Pearl Harbor. Do you know that that is a major conspiracy, whether he knew or not? Many people feel bu- he, he knew. He, he knew that Germany was building their forces up. It wasn't that he wanted Americans killed, but he knew that there was such a spirit of apathy in America that unless something drastic happened, there wasn't gonna be an urgency to go to war. So we need Pearl Harbor. Maybe that's true, maybe it's not. But it's something I've always wondered. And I always, second thing I've wondered is that who actually killed JFK, John F. Kennedy. This past week was the 59th anniversary. I can't believe it's been that long. Okay? Um, and and, and <laughs> I was going to laugh because I was going to tell you when I thought Becky was born a week after that. <coughs> so now you all know how old Becky is. So anyway, um, but did JFK get shot by Lee Harvey Oswald? Was it a conspiracy? Was it a government conspiracy? Was it the mob? I mean, these are things that you wonder. And, you know, I I have a whole list, and I'm not going to go through all of them, of all the different things that I perceive. But when you say, Mike, what does it all matter? What does it all matter? Well, because the reality of it is, is, let's say it really was a government conspiracy that killed Kennedy then all of a sudden you work to get those people out because as long as they're still in power, they are still operating and doing evil things. And, and, and so when you come to the reality of saying, look, I know who killed Kennedy, you go to the press and you come to the reality of like getting these people exposed and hopefully they get out of office, it changes things. But you guys knowing that this woman, this woman, this spiritual being is operating behind the scenes, How's it going to impact you? Have you, you know, what, what does it change for you? I mean, because the reality of it is, is you can't, you can't go to the press and say, listen, do you guys realize there's a Babylonian harlot that's been operating behind all major governments and all major religions today? And, 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 and it's not going to change any of that from the newspaper's perspective. They're not going to say, wow, now that you've given me this information, we're going to expose this but this is for you to understand. You have to grasp this so that it impacts the way you operate because the reality of it is, is when you realize, wait a second, I can't go to the press. Then you realize also the reality of it is I'm not going to find answers in the press. I'm not going to need to get politically active because politics isn't going to solve this. You've got to realize, and I'm not saying you can't you know campaign for a candidate or 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 push for some legislation but what I'm trying to get you to grasp is when we really understand what's happening in the world it brings you to your knees and more reliant on God and more reliant on prayer and more reliant on 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 getting the gospel out that changes people so if you haven't been with us this is just a real quick recap what we've seen so far is that this harlot represents the influencer of false religion since the Tower of Babel. And we hold that the Tower of Babel was a literal event and that the Tower of Babel, God spread out all humanity. And we recognized and we did a sermon a couple weeks ago, and I would encourage you if you weren't here to go back and listen either to the podcast or look at the video on YouTube. And the idea is is that this woman is a spiritual being That has taken a false doctrine of goddess worship that has spread around the entire globe. And it's gone into so many religions so that you see them worshiping the queen of heaven. And we went through a whole bunch of different religions that talked about how they call their goddess the queen of heaven. And then we talked about the fact that this all represents a spiritual adultery that God is upset about because God wants to have a relationship with mankind. And then, then last week, what we went into is how she's influenced power and wealth throughout the ages by tying government to religion, by influencing religious groups to emphasize wealth. And I don't know if any of you, you know, you, you continue to see world religions that just talk about their wealth and all the money that they have. The health, wealth, and prosperity gospel is absolutely, absolutely sickening. And we talked about the fact that many people are turned off because of turned off of religion because they come and they think all churches want is money, 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 money. And she's done her job. But what we're gonna see now is the next phase, is this is that she has influenced all countries, including the seven world powers. So let's pick up verse 1. It says, Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bulls came and spoke to me, saying, Come here, and I will show you the judgment of the great harlot, who sits on many waters. She's had worldwide influence, okay? With whom the kings of the earth committed acts of immorality. Okay, so she's influenced them, and we talked about how often governments tie their works to religion and how they believe that they are religious. And those who dwell on the earth were made drunk with the wine of her immorality. And he carried me away in the spirit in the wilderness. And I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast full of blasphemous names having seven heads and ten horns. So we're going <coughs> to, excuse me, break this down. What do you mean this beast, this, this seven-headed beast? Well, the woman was clothed in purple. And, and we talked about the fact that she conveyed royalty through that purple color and adorned with gold because that's what she emphasized in the precious pearls. And then we pick up in verse 7, and it says, And the angel said to me, Why do you wonder? I will tell you the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carries her, which has the seven heads and the ten horns. So as we've often said in the book of Revelation, when people think, say, Oh, you can't comprehend it, God will give us explanations. You just got to sometimes put a little effort into it. And so he says in verse 8, he says, the beast that you saw was and is not and is about to come out of the abyss and go to destruction. And who dwell on the earth, whose name has not been written in the book of life from the foundation of the world, will still wonder when they see the beast that he, has, he was and is not and will come. Now I'll explain all that. Here is the mind which has wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits. And here's where you get it explicitly. And they are seven kings. Five have fallen, one is, and the other has not yet come. And when he comes, he must remain a little while. And then the beast was, the, which was and is not is himself also an eighth. Now I'm gonna make all of that, <coughs> excuse me, cryptic language understandable, I hope. So what we understand is because we've studied the book of Daniel, in Daniel chapter two and chapter seven, that this beast is the seven world powers that have controlled Israel. And basically, it's these seven nations. Egypt, right out of the Tower of Babel, right after the flood. Then, oh, and just, you can't see it, but it says from Martin Luther's 1934 illustrated Bible. They colorize this. Martin Luther, the reformer, he had a Bible that in his Bible had this picture of a woman, i.e. the harlot riding a beast, okay? Why is this important is that you can understand history. This is where history is going and has gone. So the second world power is Assyria, and the third power is Babylon. And it's at Babylon that all of a sudden we start tying in to the book of Daniel, the, the 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 image of the statue, and then the four beasts that are in chapter seven. If you're visiting and you've never heard this before, and you think, "Why? Why is this Christian pastor talking about these seven world powers? How do I know that this is true?" I encourage you go back to the book of go go online. Many people have access to the internet. Wikipedia is where I got my information to tie into this. That this is this is considered. Just general knowledge that at one time Egypt ruled the world, then Assyria ruled the world, then Babylon ruled the world, and then the Medes and Persians ruled the world in a joint. It's amazing when you study Daniel chapter 2 and Daniel 7 that you see how God knew that there was going to be like these two countries that came together. And um, the beast in chapter 7 is leaning on one side because one side, I think the Persians had more power than the Medes. Absolutely fascinating the imagery. The fifth is Greece. The sixth is Rome, okay? And that is the one, that one is the one that is, okay? So let me see if I can get this right, okay? So look at chapter 17, verse 10. Five have fallen, all right? So five have fallen. Egypt has fallen. Assyria has fallen. The Babylonians, the Medes and Persians, the Greeks have fallen. So look at chapter 17 verse 10, one is. Who is? That's the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire was in power when John is writing this. And then he says, and the other has not yet come, and when he comes, he must remain a little while. So what's the next one? It is rebuilt Rome, okay? It's rebuilt Rome. And then we're going to talk in a second about well, it says, and, and then the beast which was and is not himself and also an eighth. Out of this is the Antichrist is going to break out of this, this system. These are world powers that have and will control Israel. Now, listen. You take the Bible in a literal, grammatical, historical approach. As the Bible teaches... The Bible teaches that the way you study it is through a grammatical historical approach, okay? So you look at this and you can say, all right, Mike, I can see how there is six of these because the one is, is Rome. How in the world are we gonna see a rebirth of the Roman empire? And because that's what I'm telling you is coming. I am telling you, as sure as you are all in this room today and you pick up your newspaper and you don't see anything about a rebirth of Rome, you're thinking to yourself, how in the world is that ever going to happen? And I want to tell you, I've I've tried to get you guys to read this book here. This book, this, this this is called Forsaking Israel. And we have a few more copies when Doug Bookman came and this book is on how the church, especially the covenant churches today, have turned their back on Israel and how they have, they have forsaken Israel. And it's a shame because what we know is that God has a future plan for literal Israel. And what I want you to hold and what I want you to always have is in this book, in the 10th chapter... There is a sermon from the 1878. you hear this? Right after the Civil War, 1878, a pastor named Bishop William R. Nicholson. All right. What year is this? 1878. We're talking after Abraham Lincoln's been alive. He's been killed. During this time, just as a side note, one of my favorite authors of all time, one of my favorite authors of all time, Mark Twain, has gone over to Israel. He's, he's taken this trip, and basically it is absolutely astounding to him that the land is absolutely barren. He has written back to America about how there is no way anything could ever happen in the land of Israel. It is a barren. It is deserted. It is run by these nomads. It is a- absolutely nothing, and so William... Bishop R. Nicholson, his entire sermon that he gave at the 1878 Niagara Bible Conference, because Bible conferences were really big, and this is my push for church history. When In January, I'm going to do my doctorate presentation on American evangelicalism during the ABF hour and how it's impacted Christianity in Christian Fellowship Church. So you wanna be here on Sunday mornings so you can hear this. One of the things that really came about are these Bible conferences and Bishop William R. Nicholson, you can read, took the Bible and he preached a sermon based on Ezekiel 36 and 37 that God would gather the people of Israel. He would do it first as unsaved people and then he would redeem them. You can go through this detail by detail and you know what? Laugh that. How in the world can Israel be regathered? Come on. Eight, you're taking the Bible literally? You think the Bible is literal, William R. Nicholson? 1848, guess what had happened? What, what I'm trying to get you to understand. We come here and people go to verse 10 and they say, wait a second rebirth Rome no no it's going to be like some confederation somehow some way it's going to be something that you know people are gonna it's not going to be the same as a rebirth rebirth of Rome listen if if they want to include the world somehow and say uh, what however it's going to be it is not going to be in doubt people it's not going to be in doubt It's going to be so clear. And this is where you've got to realize as humanity is moving forward, there is going to be a rebirth of the Roman Empire. I'm guaranteeing it. And and, and everyone's going to know, wait, wait. Now, for those of you who remember, I have magazines from the year 2000 from when the Euro got put into place for all the countries over in Europe. And they have... In Newsweek magazine, this headline, what beast is this? Now, it hasn't happened yet. I get that. Europe hasn't had a rebirth of the Roman Empire. Europe hasn't had an opportunity to be the world power yet. But I'm telling you what's happening. And, and does that mean the demise of the United States? Maybe. Maybe as we continue to watch political policies happen that are continuing to undermine the, the very nature and very fabric of our country. Yes, it's absolutely destroying our country. People think that it doesn't matter, the, these, these policies. They do matter. And, and so I'm just letting you know, the principle that we saw here, that she, this woman has influenced the seven world powers and the seventh one is the rebirth of Rome. So here we go. What else has we seen? She will rule over the Antichrist ten-part confederacy. So, <coughs> when when you see when you see um, the fact that again verse twelve, let me get to verse twelve, and it says, "And the ten horns which you saw are ten kings who have not yet received the kingdom, but they receive authority as kings with the beast for one hour." The idea of an hour here. Is not a literal 60 minutes. Remember, we use the principle: if the if the literal makes sense, seek no other sense. Well, here the literal doesn't make sense. 60 minutes that they have a world power. You couldn't have a world power for 60 minutes. It has to be an extended period of time. So I think this is where we say this is a short amount of time. And when we look at the timeline of the end times, it is not you know something that's going to last hundreds of years. So what we do know based upon the fact that from the book of daniel chapter 2 that this this is supposed to be an image of that the head of gold and how it has um these 10 toes there's a there's um (coughs) the statue that ties into the beast has this mystery, like these 10 toes and the number 10 keeps getting repeated. And here it is again, somehow, some way there's going to be some way that there's going to be these 10 subpar regions. And again, this could be where it does go global, but it's all going to still tie into the Roman empire. And, and so that's what that represents there's going to be some type of grouping. And there's been all kinds of speculation. When the European common market started back in the middle 70s, the leader of the new European common market said, we've got to get out of this economic mess. I'm paraphrasing. He said, we'll follow anybody, be he God or be he Satan. All right. And people started counting how many countries were entering into the European common market. Well, now it's well over the 20s and close to the 30s or whatever. So, you know, how, how is this number 10 going to figure out? I can not tell you right now, I'm going to categorically make it so clear. I have no clue. I have absolutely no clue how it's going to work out. I just know when it's all said and done, the number 10 is going to be important. And I believe the numbers are literal. I believe the numbers in, are, are often literal in the book of revelation and i say often because when you just use the one word one hour it it's it's conveys a short time but the, the idea here is we know that it's going to be some type of confederacy all right what else we know though historically is this is what is true and that is This woman has worked to kill God's people and will continue to do so in the tribulation. Look at verse 15 to 18. And he said to me, the waters which you saw where the harlot sits are peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. And the 10 horns which you saw on the beast, these will hate the harlot and will make her desolate and naked and will eat her flesh and burn her up with fire. For God has put it in their hearts to execute his purpose by having a common purpose and by giving their kingdom to the beast until the words of God will be fulfilled. All right, What what... basically this is is talking about the fact that oh is oh i'm sorry i read the wrong section uh come on michael um yeah i read part of it in the sense that just the fact that that you see that verse 14 i should have started these will wage war against the lamb and the lamb will overcome them because he is lord of lords and king of kings now that means the lamb is jesus but th- these people are going to wage war and they're going to kill, you know, the, um, they're going to be killing Christians. And what we realize is that what she's been doing throughout all of history, she will take to the nth degree come end times. And, and I tell you, where, you know, as I stated, just said it in Sunday school hour, is we've got to recognize here in America we're living through a parenthesis. And what I mean by we're living through a parenthesis is the world is being persecuted. Carl brings up that magazine, Voice of the Martyrs, and the calendar to, to pray because Christianity is under persecution. What I, I went and I found this um, article by a guy named Justin D. Long. And he said in it, and this has become... A key fact that has been quoted in numerous Christian articles, magazines, Justin D. Long said that in all the previous centuries combined, that we have had we've had more Christians killed for their faith in the 20th century than all previous centuries combined. And so he documented the fact that in from like 1901 to the year 1999, however you want, or you want take it to the year 2000, 26 million people who profess Christianity were killed. 26 million. But from AD 33 to the year 1900, he documented 14 million. I mean, that's almost double. And we're living in America and we don't see it. And as we had the opportunity, I'll share the exact same story I shared in Sunday school, is you got to realize when we just went to Egypt that the pastors in Egypt had the opportunity if they preached on a Sunday they had the opportunity to go to To jail and prison, or be called into the police on Monday because somebody in the congregation was listening and they don't know who's the spy, but the spy reports what's being said. And if something is being said that they don't like, like, oh, Christianity is like the only way, and therefore the whole Muslim religion that is honored and glorified in the land of Egypt, then the pastor's called in and the pastor could be arrested. And, you know, I've shared with you how I've had a Chinese students in my house for five years, and one of them, you guys all remember, for those of you who remember, Eason, he, his father's best friend was a pastor preaching in China, and he preached something the government didn't like, and he's disappeared. And from the best that I know of, they've never heard of him, and it's been four or five years now. We have got to realize what's happening behind the scenes is that this woman has been operating, killing Christians and for whatever reasons, she's not letting it be done in America right now. But I can never forget when we had, we had a missionary to, to Mexico come up, it was Jim Eberlein. And Jim Eberlein told me clearly, he said, Mike, down in Mexico where we're ministering right now, the Catholic Church is making sure that Protestants aren't getting away with anything. And if they can, they're, they're killing people down there. Those were his words. Now, I don't get any documentation or anything. And he said, but don't you ever drop your guard. He goes, because if you think, if they think that they can get away with it in in America, they will. And and so what I recognize is I'm not safe in this world. I can't drop my guard because this Babylonian harlot is working behind the scenes. And when she finally gets her full power in the tribulation, Look out, because anyone that names the name of Christ is going to be wiped off the earth. But it, So you say, well, that's the tribulation, but it's helping me today to understand what kind of spiritual environment I'm in. If I think I'm in a spiritually neutral world, then all of a sudden I start to think, wow, I can be a little bit safe. But if I wake up every day and I'm cognizant of the fact that I am not in a spiritually neutral world, that there's this woman out there who is doing her best to work behind the scenes, to push governments, to push religions that are false, to do whatever they can to destroy and kill Christians, then I am more on guard. And it changes the way I pray. And I'm more fervent in how I pray. And I've, we've begged you in the past, pray for people who are being persecuted. This should help you understand the world is not going to be a safe place ever for you until Jesus Christ returns. And so what you need to recognize is that she has killed God's people and will continue to do so in the tribulation. She spills much blood. And I got this imagery of a woman. Somebody put together this concept of a woman riding a beast and that's blood pouring out of her cup. I mean, Satan loves blood. Satan loves to kill people. This woman does his work, all right? And so she has killed God's people and will continue to do so in the tribulation. And then finally, here's the interesting thing. She will be destroyed by the Antichrist who will want the worship. And this is kind of interesting to us. God is just letting us know how the tribulation is going to play out. So (coughs) you see in verse 16, it says, And the ten horns which you saw and the beast, these will hate the harlot. You say, wait a second. What are you talking about? The woman rides the beast. (coughs) Well, remember this beast, the one that is to come, is the Antichrist. He is the one that is the eighth. We've studied the Antichrist in Revelation chapter 13. The Antichrist, we believe, is sort of working a unholy trinity where you have Satan taking the place of God the Father, the Antichrist as the image of Jesus, and then like the second person in the trinity, and then the false prophet of Revelation 13 being sort of like the religious spirit behind the scenes. So where's this all going? What is this telling us? This helps me to piece together where Satan really is trying to go. Satan has just been manipulating government throughout world history. Satan has been doing all of this, all with the guys that he once worshipped. Satan is the one that once worshipped. So what this is saying is, is that when it comes to the right time, the Antichrist is somehow going to get rid of all false religion. I don't know how on a spiritual level this woman is going to be destroyed, how she's going to be taken out of the scene on a spiritual plane. But what's going to happen is that finally what we're going to see is that it's going to, the Antichrist is going to come out and say, worship me, which fits with Second Thessalonians chapter 2, where we see the Antichrist declares himself to be, to be God, which would be flowing all worship to Satan. That's Satan's ultimate plan. Satan wants to be worshipped. Satan wants to be the one that's honored. Satan is the one, and I, I can't remember if it's Isaiah 14 or Ezekiel 28, where the five I will statements, I will ascend to heaven, I will do this, I am the one that should be honored that's Satan's plan and, and and this is why when I realize don't love the world because don't love the world or all that's in the world the lust of the flesh lust the, uh, the lust of the flesh lust of the lust of the, help me, help me. lust of the flesh lust of the eyes boastful pride of life is is passing away but the one who does the will of God abides forever this is where the world is going the world is going to be worshiping Antichrist, which would be ultimately worshiping Satan. And this woman has just played her part. She thinks that she's got, you know, it's all gonna go for her. However, this spiritual being, and I'm gonna use this expression here and it's gonna be graphic, but you need to always remember this. You say, wait a second, she'll be destroyed by the Antichrist who will want the worship? Hasn't she worked for Satan for all this time? And the answer is absolutely. Hasn't she done Satan's bidding? Hasn't she worked the nations from Egypt to Assyria to Babylon to the Medes and Persians to the Greeks to the Romans and now the, the rebuilt Roman Empire? Hasn't she done what Satan's wanted? Absolutely. Why is Satan kicking her to the side? Indelibly, you must always remember this Satan eats his own. Sometimes you see this in the animal world where someone, a mother gives birth and then she eats the babies. You say, well, that's really gross. You need to understand where someone says, you know, I don't think I really need to be with God. You gotta understand. If you're not with God, you're with Satan. And if you're with Satan, he doesn't care about you. If he needs to kill you, he kills you. Satan's all about himself. You wanna continue to follow a world. You wanna continue to follow a world that cares nothing about god i mean my goodness people you know we're coming upon a christmas season and becky and i were chatting you know the hallmark station that is oh everyone all the women love and all the love stories and and they love that that concept of these wonderful christmas wonderful stories they fired a christian woman because they she kept saying we you know we're going against our morals and our values and we're continuing to promote homosexuality and so they said well get out of our way because we're going to have our own we're going to have our own morals our own values that's where our world is you need to not find any rest in anything because everything that's happening in our world satan is operating for his rhyme his purpose he's using people he's gonna dismiss them and if you're following satan when it's all said and done with you if he needs to kill you he will kill you And so my challenge to everyone is make sure you're on God's team. The only team that wins is God's team. The only way you are on God's team is if you've repented of your sin and you're born again. And are you born again? Do you know, beyond a shadow of doubt that you've been transformed and you get transformed by placing your faith in Jesus Christ who's God and man who died on the cross and paid the penalty for your sins. Unless you're born again, you're not with God. This is the losing team. And so... Yes, I'm very concerned. So ask yourself, what does it matter that we know about this harlot? Well, I tell you, if you knew who killed Kennedy, you'd want the world to know. Well, if you know this woman is running the show, you wanna expose her. But you can't do it. You can't do it in a way that is gonna call upon the press. You can write about it. You can study it. I brought another book beside this Forsaking Israel. I uh, This man, Dave Hunt, talked about how the Roman Catholic Church is a representation of a woman rides the beast. I think he thinks it's exclusively it. I only brought this because I wanted to point out, this is one of the greatest reads I've ever had. I disagree with the fact that the only religion is the Catholic Church. But I would tell you, if you pick this book up, you can't put it down. You will find it one of the most fascinating reads you've ever had. And he's tried to expose it. For Christians that understand this concept of how the woman rides the beast... I think it spurs your evangelism. I think it spurs your prayer life. I think it causes you to realize how you need to be aggressive and how we can't stay silent with what's going on. And the say of staying silent is that I need to be getting out there, getting the gospel out. People who are intentional are making the difference. People who are making time to pray, making time to witness, making time to serve are the people that are making a difference. So you say, how does it matter? It matters a lot. So... Look, I believe that as Christians, we're to live this quiet life that Paul wanted us to live, told us to live. But that quiet life isn't the fact that we're out there doing nothing. It's the fact that we're staying active behind the scenes and not causing a big stir, you know, in the sense of government action and government protest. But let us be faithful, recognizing that today, today, we know where world history is going. And sadly, when I put together that, sev- that third point, including the seven world powers, the United States wasn't one of the seven world powers. So be wise and understand that. I hope all of us can learn from the book of Revelation. Chapter 1, verse 3 said, Blessed are those who read these words and, and, and heed them. How is this going to impact you if it's not telling you, husbands, love your wives, don't lie? Because it's trying to do something even bigger picture. It's trying to get you to understand the big picture. And my hope and my desire is that you guys understand the big picture. Because now you understand the Babylonian harlot. Look at verse 18. It's fascinating. The very last verse. It says, the woman you saw is the great city who reigns over the kings of the earth. And you say, wait a second, what are we talking about, great city? Well, you've got to come back next week because chapter 18 goes into how she has run economics throughout the last five, six centuries. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to study your word today. I'm hoping that this gives wisdom to our people, that they understand more of where human history has been, where it's going to go, and then how they can operate within it. Oh, Lord, help them to understand the curtain's been pulled back. Help them to understand this demonic being of this harlot, this unfaithful, adulterous, spiritual being that has taken people away from the true worship of you. And help us as Americans who live in a world that constantly is being portrayed, how to have your best Christmas ever, how to have the best whatever, how to live your best life now, how to be someone that can glory in the world and all of its joys today when we understand as Christians, the world is passing away and also it's lust, but the one who does the will of God abides forever. God, I pray that today there's a commitment, a commitment to live aware, self-aware of what's happened in the world. And because of that, you're gonna see us as a church be more faithful. In Jesus' name, amen.